I'm comedian, writer, and filmmaker Chuck Staten from the punk band Senior Discount. And I'm writer and comedian Brad Rohr from the Providence Improv Guild. And this is the Chuck and Brad Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 469 of the Chuck and Brad Podcast. I'm Chuck. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm all right. It's an update. How are you? I think it's an update for me, too. I'm glad to hear it. And I think that's because we have a really fun guest on the podcast. Uh, this is a guest that we've never had on before. We know each other a tiny bit, a little bit. Uh, Brendan Kirby from The Roadshow is here. Thank you. Please hold your applause, boys. Uh, there'll be plenty of time for that when I'm being kicked out of this. Uh, what, what is this? A, is this a Skype interview, I believe? I think so. Yeah, that's what, we'll, yes, that's what it is. Okay. Before we get into any of your hard-hitting expose, and I know that this is going to be, you know, a, some it's going to win some type of award. Oh, I know it's it is. ambush journalism at its finest. The finest. <laughs> exactly. But before we get to that, I just want to say the pressure is on me because I, to fill the, you know, the, the millions, the legions of your fans in, today's date, may I say the date? Yes, please. Okay. It's uh, May 53rd. No, yeah. uh, it's May 26th. 2020. So right. let me refresh everyone's memory, your collective memories. On May 19th of this very same year, <laughs> we tried to do this once, and it was a colossal failure. Yes. And we went back and forth. Oh, did you send me the link? I have the link. I have my volume up. I don't have my volume up. Where's the camera? You know, have we alerted NASA? There are <laughs> yeah. a lot of things happening. And I promised you boys, I said, don't you worry. I said, Seven days from now, I will be just as disappointing. So I hope I can live up to that. <laughs> I appreciate you bearing with us, man. It's it's tough because like you see all the Skype and Zoom interviews that are going on right now, and you're like, oh, everyone must be doing this really easily. But I bet everyone does have the the trouble beforehand of trying to connect everything and do everything right. Yeah, I'm envisioning Conan in his homes just struggling with this. <laughs> yes. and, you know, you see everybody in the screenshot. They all look so happy. Right. The screenshot of these Zoom meetings should just be everyone just screaming obscenities at each other. <laughs> That's what it is. I agree, man. It's 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 weird because we've, we've done a couple. I think it's just because, you know, we're doing uh, a mixing board in with you, you coming in audio, our, our microphones coming through there to get to you as well as our yeah. screen capture. It's just hard to get everything going. But I appreciate you bearing with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And before we go any further, could could we discuss your hair for a minute? I mean, that really <laughs> crazy. Yes. crazy. Isn't it crazy? This this is because of the quarantine. It never gets this long. It never it's never this long. I'll tell you this. I do my hair one day a week for the podcast, and that's it because it collapses under the weight of itself. I get about three hours before all the build all the all it's the true. support hairs just crumble. It's like a very sad I, version of Cinderella. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just waiting up for Peter Dinklage to poke out of there. <laughs> it's crazy. I've been talking to my... I my I'm right there with you. Yes, yes. Not, it's not good. It's crazy. I, I talked to my stylist and I was like, hey, man, I'm like, I don't know when you're when you're going back. I want to be the first person in that chair when this when this opens up. I don't care what I have to do. If we have to do it in a field, you have to use shears from six feet away. I'm getting this haircut as soon as possible. It's crazy. Oh, right really? Now. I think we could learn to surf on that. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. It's crazy. It takes a long time to do. I don't even dry. I, I usually don't even dry my hair anymore. It takes so long. It's crazy. <laughs> it's good. It's good, man. We're all in the same boat. I think it looks great. Here we are. Are we out of time? I think we're out of time now. I've been yucking it up. Yeah. Well, hey, man, we could talk about my hair for an hour and a half. That's, I could do that easily. Uh, yeah, he can. Uh, yeah. So, so have you ever heard the show before? And don't feel bad saying no. 
I, I, I full uh, you know disclosure here. I I'll be bluntly honest. I have not. Oh, uh, that's, that's all right. right. Our show is our show is very open, very conversational. I've been on the road show a couple times. I was on before you were on. You know that. Oh, I don't think the show went on the air before I got there. Yeah. Is it true? I was. I don't know if that's true. I was on I, in two thousand nine. I had. Yeah. No. That's correct. Okay, so tell me about your first experience there. So I was on the road show, which for anyone who doesn't know, the road show is a show that uh, I you know airs in Rhode Island on what network? WPRI. WPRI every day at the morning. What time? Well, Mid- what time? Midnight. <laughs> Midnight. <laughs> no, it's a daytime show. Nine a.m. Uh, Nine a.m. So, and so you guys will have on. You know, uh, journalists, you'll, you'll cover uh, local pieces. You'll have uh, like restaurants on, chefs come on, stuff like that. Talk about things like that. So when I went on, it was 2009, my band Senior Discount, we had a show at the Boston House of Blues opening for the DJ Girl Talk. I remember The this. mashup DJ. Yeah. Show was sold out, 3,500 people. One of the biggest shows we've ever played. We had a 45-minute set. <laughs> and we played the show monstrous party we stayed in boston until like three in the morning and the next day we had to be at the roadshow studios at 7 30 in the morning to play music <laughs> to play songs we played two songs but really isn't that just does it get you, more you rock were on. And you, you talked to us beforehand i'm sure you don't remember it you know you've done that a well, million episodes yeah, the the two thousand. I, I joined the roadshow. Well, I like to say nineteen seventy one. Right. Uh, but I got there in twenty thirteen. Okay, 20, so it wasn't you. Right, but the show started in 09, so that oh, makes okay. sense. But it, it doesn't get much more rock and roll than that story. I love it. Oh, dude, it was it was crazy. We were so out of it, and like back then we had these, you know, the, like a big half stack. Everyone had one of those for their amps. The guitarist and the bassist and myself as the other guitarist. We lugged them in, and we were like half asleep. And it was funny too because we played. We had to play two songs, and I'm kind of a perfectionist. And we played the first song. We played it like probably 75 percent of the way through, and someone hit a wrong note, and I just stopped it. I'm like, all right, I got to start again. And they're like, you can't stop that. You can't. You can't stop. This is the last time we're filming it, no matter what happens. And I was like, oh boy. So we played it. I don't remember. It's crazy. If you look on YouTube and you look up Senior Discount Roadshow, it'll come right up. It's there. Wow. Um, and that was the first time I was on. And then I was on recently. I was on like maybe three months ago, probably like the day before the quarantine happened. The last day <laughs> yeah, we all left our house. <laughs> like the reason the quarantine happened? Back, remember when we used to have live in-studio uh, guests all the old days, boys? Yes, right, right. Well, this is exciting for me because, you know, the Roadshow weekdays at 9 and WPRI right. 12. Yes. Uh, this is one of these rare occurrences where I have the opportunity to let down two different audiences in the same day, the Roadshow and yours. So this is fantastic. <laughs> well, this is interesting. This is actually one of the things I wanted to talk about because you and I and Brad kind of share a funny bond in that, we're all part of this like funny media collective in Rhode Island where like we've yeah. done the podcast for 11 years. Yep. Now I write for Motif and Providence Monthly and the Bay Magazine kind of from that. You're one of the hosts of the road show. And it's here's a, here's a funny thing that I think probably a lot of us share and none of us talk about. Do you ever feel like a complete imposter? <laughs> oh, every day someone's yeah. going to find me. A- yes. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All the time, yeah. right? Well, yeah. First of all, I have my collective uh, funny media member membership card. Did you get? Did you guys renew? <laughs> I'll start it. I'll, I, 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 I start thought it was the... BS that they jacked up the dues this year. But uh, I know. Come on. You know the big summer picnic isn't even going to happen. So how am I going to win the watermelon toss? 
No. You would lose you, a lot. I, I heard you've been practicing. I, I have all year. <laughs> it is funny though. There's just like this this weird collective of like a pretty limited number of publications and online video stuff, stuff like the road show, like podcast things, and it's just a, it's well, a funny group. To me, it's remarkable because I, I, you know, I'll tell the story and, you know, and, and until, you know, we need to put rosin on my tongue until I can barely speak anymore, which we've had to do many times in the middle of the roadshow. It's very <laughs> awkward. Will has a little packet and comes over. But I got started doing public access. I had this late night comedy talk show. I wanted to, you know, be the next Conan oh, or yeah. Letterman ever. So I, I did that show for almost nine years. And I, so I know what it's like to produce, write, yes. host, my, you know, your own thing. And, you know, I, it's unbelievable to me. I started that show in 2003. I was still a senior at Rhode Island College and we did it till 2012. Oh. But to me, what's amazing is just how this whole plat, the, the platform has completely changed a total seismic shift in how you get your content out there. And I, a buddy of mine interviewed me for a, one of his media classes, and this was about five years ago now. Mm -hmm. And I could see it starting to, re I mean, it, it had already started, but I could see it really starting to take hold. And I said, well, content will always be king, but these these methods of how we consume it and get it, I mean, a lot of us, and we know that, but he was anxious to hear my opinion because he had never really thought of it that way. To him, the traditional media had always been radio, TV, print, whatever it is. Right. But now you got have this, we can connect this way. You can get your article out there on Twitter, whatever right. it is. Mm -hmm. I'm huge in the MySpace community, mm -hmm. uh, but whatever it takes. You to got get great, your great HTML on your page. I'll say that. <laughs> I, I'm glad it went through. Yes, uh, but I, I uh, was doing the public access thing, and I loved it because it was a way for me to get my, you know, comedy yeah. out there. But it, at the same time, all jokes aside, I was. You know, I'd created this entity, and through that, I was booking guests. I was, you know, writing it, producing the segments, the bits, you know, whatever you name it, I was doing it. You know, the post edit. I had a lot of help, of course, but through that experience came the roadshow, and I and I knew that someday I could do this, you know, professionally. I, I never thought that I would be on, you know, WPRI twelve because when I started that show, by the way, it was called Wicked Late with Brendan Kirby. Thank you for remembering, wow. everyone. Please, I know. I I mean. In 2003, there there was no roadshow yet. So to me, right. the only you know route was okay. Maybe I had interned for Letterman as well when I was in college, and I thought maybe Whoa. I could be a, a writer for him or or like I really enjoy writing comedy very much. And yeah. so I started using my material and, and and doing it for my own show, but I didn't really know where I was going to end up. And then lo and behold, you know, I didn't want to do the news. I'm not cut out for that. I'm not cut right. out, you know, for weather and i mean i guess i could if i had to but i was really hoping to find something and the roadshow is very unique in yes. that yes it is no it's not a, a comedy show per se and huh, i prove that every morning <laughs> <laughs> but anyway i there is room for ad-libbing all jokes aside and there there's yes. room like you came on chuck you know the roadie roundup every friday right it's it's a controlled free-for-all in the sense right. that we're just talking about fun topics of the week now certainly there is uh, I prefer, you know, a, a type of humor that the kids may refer to as savage. And I can't really use all of my stuff in the morning, but I know how to uh, amend my act, so to course, speak. And so yeah. I'm really grateful that the road led from public access. In the middle, I moved to L.A. for a while just to try, but the road led back to, to Rhode Island and the road show. And, and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm really just lucky that there is an outlet for me and there is a, a place for me to do what I love. That's awesome. It's it's funny because that's kind of one of the things I've always believed in for creativity is that like, even if, if you're like, man, I want to do something like this, basically, you should just start and just do whatever you can, whatever you have control over. 
you know? Correct. You many have, times, you, you well, well, many, many times when colleges, against their better judgment, ask me to come in and speak to the kids, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll say the same thing. So I've completely concurred. Like, if there's something you guys want to do, just go make it. Yeah. And if it's good enough and if you stick with it. And now I just I go like this because everyone can have their own show, which is, I mean, I'm not sure how I feel about that <laughs> overall. But at the same time, you know what? If you're doing quality work, the opportunity is there. Go for it, and, and you make a great point. I agree. Just go do it. Yeah, I, I, it's a funny thing because you know, um, and I want to. I'm going to get back to you, but it's just interesting because, like, when we started, please the, do. <laughs> we started the podcast. Our podcast was essentially like, I have the band Senior Discount. Brad had the Improv Group, which yep. at the time was Sky Punch Improv, or was it the Bit Players? It was like, the Bit Players when we started. Yeah, yeah, and so we were like, you know what? We'll do this just so we can update people who care about these groups every week and say we're gonna be playing this show the improv you know the improv group's gonna be doing this show and then we'll talk about whatever we want but we did it for so long and we kept having guests on that it became a little bit more uh like sharp and we figured out how to do the show we figured out how to keep it going and it started my relationship with motif and that went into my relationship with providence monthly and it wasn't even really intentional it was just like we just did this kind of uh in this direction and the more you do something kind of the tighter it gets, the better you get at doing it. And uh, that kind of, I guess, stick to along with doing something good is just going to get you some traction. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt like that's a great point. So I felt, you know, when the road show, you know, they used to look for a new host every year. They'd have an open audition. Oh, yeah. I remember and, that. Yeah. So I was uh, toiling away in obscurity in Los Angeles, just, you know, I had a blast. I was there for like a year and a half. I had some friends that worked in the business and I worked behind the scenes. I had ended Wicked Late and then just said, well, let me try something else. Nothing was really happening here. Right. Uh, and then I, I missed home. I was there for like a year and a half and I just threw a, an audition video together and I sent it into them. Mm. And to me, like I had I had been off Wicked Late for about, like like I said, a year and a half because I abruptly like moved right out there. Yeah. But I, I had been doing television, even though it was on public access. I knew what I was doing. So when I, it's almost like the red carpet was rolled out. I mean, I don't want to say I was overconfident or that I was cocky, but I, I was just very confident that I'm ready to do this. It's been long enough. Mm -hmm. uh, I was really down on my luck. I had nothing going on. And I, I thought, am I ever going to get a chance to, you know, host a show? Now, granted, this was 2013. So things have changed even more since then, as you right. guys even know. Yeah. But I was, my point is, as I'm clumsily trying to make here, I was ready for the opportunity because I had done all those episodes of Wicked Late and I had interviewed the road show host. I mean, I knew everybody and knew what to do and they knew that I knew by that point. It's not like I was just, you know, some 19 year old who was just, you know, clueless or whatever. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I actually, I want to be a little bit more thorough with this, right? Because this is an interesting story. Yeah. So let's go back. Let's go back. So where did, where did you go to college? New England tractor trailer training. <laughs> I can downship like nobody's business. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I went to Rhode Island College. Right. Go, your so, men. Yep. Were you so were you, you going went? for the radio or dietary? Just... No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, communications, uh, TV, and broadcasting. Yes. So, sir. so I went to Rick for film with a minor in communications. So we were probably in similar programs, but I'm probably I'm a little bit younger than you because I didn't graduate high school until 2002. Well, I'm 59, so I'll <laughs> You wear it well. You wear it well, Brandon. Well, I also I also didn't have good enough grades to get into Rick, so they made me go to CCRI for a year, and they were like, if you could be at CCRI for a year, yeah, you come to Rick, and so that's what I did. And, uh, you know what? I, first class education, you know, uh, my family, uh, my my 
parents both worked in education. Yeah. Uh, my brother went there. My so I, you know we it just I loved Rick and I and I'm still involved whenever I can go back and do something. I'm, I'm they don't really want me, but I show up anyway, and I'm happy <laughs> to do it. Yeah, I went there for I was probably there from like I was there from 2004 until about 2000. You know, eight ish, nine ish, ten ish. Here's because because. I, oh, I have your transcripts right here. <laughs> there was one film class that was towards the end of the film program, and they only yeah. offered it every fall. And so one spring, I only had that class left, and I was like, all right, I'm going to sign up for this class next fall. And they're like, the class is full. And I was like, well, it's my last class. What do I do? And they said, you wait a year and a half, and you take the class the following fall. Oh, boy. So I had 100, like, you know... I had everything in done besides that class in my in my degree, so I had to wait to take that one class. So I did. That's fine. Whatever. Um, sure. So, your, your graduation party was a lie. <laughs> so it, <laughs> it, it was. I did. I had a graduation party before I actually graduated. Yeah. And Brad was That's there. That's <laughs> So when you went there, when you decided to go to Rick, did you have a very clear idea of what you wanted to do or not yet? Yeah, I, I knew I wanted to work in broadcasting in some yeah. capacity. I, I thought that I would... Uh, be some type of a sports broad I never oh, wanted sports. to like yeah like I just because like I said I mean I, I loved comedy but there was no I mean I didn't want to be a stand-up comedian per se I want right. I mean I've done it and I don't mind it but I wanted to have some kind of like a, a show environment where I could broadcast yeah. and be versatile mm -hmm. and so I it did like I said before it didn't seem like that was really going to happen so I thought I could maybe call games. Like I thought I could be like a really good play-by-play cool. uh, -play guy. And I think I still could do it. And yeah. I, it's funny because I've actually, I have some ideas that I'm working on for future road, to, road show segments if we can ever involve guests again. <laughs> right. uh, but right. that was my path. I wanted to, because I felt, okay, this would be cool. I could get a great seat. I love watching basketball. Maybe I could be an announcer or a play-by-play -play guy. So I went there with the intention of uh, majoring in broadcasting so that I could pursue some type of sports broadcasting um, path if you will that's cool I, I i relate a lot to uh the idea of putting together a show like in general just like putting together a whole production we're gonna say Brad? yeah I, I was gonna ask uh even before college when you were in you know elementary school middle school high school like were you a class clown like where did this love of comedy come from well i purchased it at a yard sale actually. oh <laughs> all right well, that's a, i mean slightly used <laughs> tell me how much well, you paid for it and i'll yeah. tell you if it was a deal <laughs> best kind of humor the recycled variety yes. i um yeah great question i um i don't really know i don't know to answer the first part i was not the class clown and i, okay. I enjoy admitting that because i was very hard to believe now you can't shut me up but it's hard to believe i was afraid to open my mouth in school like oh. I, I loved laughing at everything that was going on I, right. I i was endlessly entertained by silliness nonsense absurdity oh, you name it love it but i just I was afraid to be the guy to vocalize it because I thought, well, what if what if nobody likes this? And now every day I say things people don't like in front of a wide audience. So now <laughs> I've learned to just deal with it. But I I always had the you know the the love of comedy. You know, I, I was loving Seinfeld back when I was in like eighth grade, and, and I, I was really drawn to just the, the the humor. And it wasn't actually, and that continued through high school. I just was. I was just very quiet. I was very socially reticent, very, you know, taciturn. And then when I got to Rick, it all started to turn my, you know, my confidence started to catch up with what was going on up here. Right. And which, you know, wasn't too much, but whatever was happening right. caught, kind of caught up with the confidence. And I, I found that I did pretty well in the public speaking classes. I didn't really have, um, I, I wasn't the greatest thing, but I was comfortable doing it. Right. And I was finding that when I was kind of letting the, the lines go, 
people were responding favorably. And I was like, well, you know what, like maybe I could, but then it becomes, well, how, how do I do this? You know, maybe I could be a writer. I was always writing jokes and stuff that I, I, I knew could, could make it into, you know, the tonight show monologue or letterman or somebody. And then I, I used that ability to later write my own. Cause I always, you know, my stuff was all original. I always wanted to write for me. Yeah. And that gets harder and harder now that everyone seems to have a voice, but you just do the best you can. So the writing started to catch up with the confidence. And then I would start to use that writing in the public speaking classes, you know, whatever we were doing, I would find a way to just kind of crowbar a joke in. And I found that yep. it was, it was met with a favorable response and, you know, things just started to happen. And I thought, how could I do this? But I was set on doing everything I could to, to become a writer for one of those late night shows. And even though that path didn't happen, I'm kind of glad it didn't because I knew that I did want to be in front of the camera doing stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. The idea of trying to find the balance of, I want to create stuff and I want to create stuff for myself. How much do I want to create stuff for other people? What kind of, you know, direction do I want to go in for that kind of thing? That's really yeah. interesting. So, so you, you were at Rick and when did you decide to start the wicked late show? That, okay, so that was my final semester, and it was—I uh, actually did it as an independent study project. Nice. There you go. Way that's, to get those those credit hours. That's what I was hoping. I was hoping you used it to cash in on some school time and getting out of school. Come on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys have? Uh, I don't know where is it. Is it Brent? It's Brad. <laughs> Brad. I, I, I went to his I went, brother's name is Brent, though. It is. That's pretty close. Yeah. No, you knew, knew it. I'm yeah. just. I know. I went to uh, I went to Bradley University, and I had many friends in the radio TV uh, program there. That uh, it might be renamed like the Charlie Steiner School of Radio TV or something because he's he's our one alum. And uh, so I switched. I was a mechanical engineer for my first year, and then switched to communications. But I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm just changing to be with my friends. So yeah. I was like, ah, oh, public relations. And then halfway through my final semester, I'm like, I hate this and don't want to do it. <laughs> So, money well spent. So, Charlie Steiner was the only person that ever graduated. He was the only alum. That's yeah, impressive. basically. Yeah. The guy that made it through. Yes. It's a, a very demanding program. So, oh, ESPN oh, oh. was like, if this guy can graduate from Bradley University's <laughs> School of Communications, he can work for us. Yeah, right. All right. So, Chuck, I'll, I'll direct this at you. That Did you have Professor Philip Palumbo? Was he one of your... Yes, I did. I did. Okay, because he he was the like the professor that handled my independent study. So yes, I work with him throughout that semester, and my project was the TV show. Wow. And so I put it all together, and at the end of the semester, I had had the show, and that was and it took as you guys know, it was a ton of work. Yeah, where <laughs> yes. did you film it? So there used to be a public access studio in Bristol, which was right down the road from where I grew up in Warren. So I just did it there. Did, was it at, uh, it wasn't in the uh, plaza where Newport Creamery was, was it? Yeah, yes, that's the one. I never, I never went inside that studio. I knew there was a studio over there. Do you know about that? I did not. Yeah, in Bristol, Rhode Island, there's like, um, there's a, uh, a plaza where there used to be Newport Creamery and Video Zone. And by the way, I, I lived up the street from Video. I worked. I walked down there all the time. I worked at Benny's. I worked at High Low when it was over there across oh, the street. Oh yeah. And I knew that there was a production studio across the street in that plaza, but I never went inside there. So you went and filmed there at night. And you worked with yeah, you no, worked with Adam Thoreau. Yes. Well, Adam, I met at the road. Well, okay. at the road show. Yeah. Because so. he because he used that studio too for something for something else maybe. Oh really? I did, I did not know that. Well, yeah, we talked a lot 
about it. I'm, I know Adam's done a thousand creative things, so yeah, I, so I was shocked that our paths hadn't crossed. But when yeah. I got to the, when I was auditioning for the road show, yes, he he knew who I was, and he was very kind. Oh, I I know, you know, like wishing you good luck and whatnot. So I he's become a great friend. We've done a lot of projects together. He's yeah. the best. Yeah, he's a great guy. Well, that's awesome. So you did it over there. How often would you come out with a show? So the first one we did, so that was the fall semester of 2003. So that took, you know, we didn't produce it. It took a couple months and we didn't actually make the show until December of that year. And then right. I like presented it to the, uh, to Philip and he, you know, I got the credit and whatnot. And then I thought, my God, that was so much work for one half hour of television. I know. I know. You know, as much as I want to be a TV host or whatever, I, I don't want to keep doing that. And I also, at the same time, I, I had to find a, a, a real job because I was graduating. So yes, I, I needed to pay the bills and, and do something. So, yeah. but in the interim, I, I thought, man, I, maybe I'll do it again. Then actually I started up in March of the following year. So March of 2004. And then we did one every month until June of 2012. Wow. So, wow. That's awesome. Of nine years. And I mean, look, I wish I could have done one every day or I wish I could have done one every week or two a month, but you guys know when you're doing it by yourself, it's just impossible. And you're working full time. It's yeah. just to book the guest to produce the bit. Remember we used to have to like sign out the camera. Now, like I can do whatever I want. It's I just like, yep. you guys get it. It's crazy. Cause uh, one, one of the things that like that I've, that has changed for me over the past couple of years is I work for the podcast. Tell them Steve, Dave, I don't know if you know about them. It's Walt and Brian from the show comic book men. And Quinn, mm -hmm. Brian Quinn from the show Impractical Jokers. And mm. they've done a podcast called Tell Him Steve Dave in New Jersey out of Kevin Smith's comic book store since 2010. So, cool. yeah, it's at, it's at Jalen Simon Bob's Secret Stash. And a couple of years ago, I reached out to them. They were doing a live show at the Gramercy Theater in New York. And mm -hmm. we went and we filmed it. And I directed a Blu-ray of like their live podcast. And it was That's with cool. Quinn and Sal from Impractical Jokers. Uh, Ming was on everybody. And... Then they started a Patreon when AMC didn't pick up Comic Book Men for season eight. And so what we do now is I go down to Jersey for a few days. And when the store closes, when the comic book store closes, we turn it into a studio and we shoot videos for the Patreon. And so I, I think I did 19 videos last year. And what we do is we'll shoot like, like last time I went down, we shot 10 over the course of four days. They'll be like hour long videos. Sometimes they're game shows. Sometimes they're like roundtable discussions about old TV shows. And I bring them home and I edit them in Rhode Island and I send them over. Right now I'm in the middle of uh, one of the episodes where they just kind of go through the entire series of Batman 66. And it's crazy. Awesome. It's so difficult. You know, I bring my entire lighting set up. I bring all my camera stuff and I bring all my audio equipment. And the store, clo the store closes at 6 we start setting up at five and by like six, six thirty-seven, we're ready to go. And we film until like one in the morning. It's crazy. It's difficult. Yeah. I was going to ask about how long does that take to, to <laughs> film it? So we're, we're used to now, since we're used to these setup, because we, we shoot with a lot of green screens if we're doing um, certain things and uh, we're used to it. We're used to the lights. We're used to the cameras. So we can kind of set it up faster and faster. Um, but basically, sometimes we'll shoot one where it's me running two cameras and live mixing the audio at the same time. And then, wow. <laughs> then I'll take all the files home. And, you know, we do have an audio guy who lives in Ireland. I sent him the audio and he kind of finalizes that. But then each video probably takes like between like 27 and 35 hours to edit. 
each individual one. So if we shoot 10 in a weekend, and the only reason we could shoot 10 is because we'll shoot them in a row. So we'll do right. we'll set up one night, we'll shoot three in a row, break down, store opens the next day, set up, shoot, break down, same thing. Um, but yeah, then each one will take yeah, about around 30 hours to edit each one. Wow. I mean, you couldn't find a domestic audio guy? <laughs> <laughs> this guy, Declan, he's done the audio for Mark Maron's podcast, Kevin Smith's modcast. So he's like a big audio guy. And so nice. he started with them because a long time ago when they started tell him, this podcast, Tell Him Steve Dave, it was kind of an offshoot of Smodcast, of Kevin Smith's podcast. So I think that they just said, we'll just do everything that Kevin, like everything he has access to, the same kind of recorders, microphones, audio people, and stuff like that. And it yeah. just, it did so well out of the gate. You know, they, I think they got like 100,000 listeners immediately that we just continued doing that. And then I became part of the crew and we have different uh, other cameramen that help out in the area too. It's crazy, but I, but I love the environment of... Let's figure out a show. Here's, oh, this, yeah. here's this idea. Here's this obstacle. How do we connect this to this? Can we make this concept make, make sense in the context of the show that we're doing? Because that stuff is tough. That stuff is really tough. Yeah, it is. But that's, that, that is the reward. You know, how are we going to produce this, mm. get it out there, and, 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 and make some work that we're proud of? And it exactly. seems like you're doing exactly. that. That's fantastic. Yeah, man. You too. Same thing. And it's, and it's funny because I think that you can't really get into the meat of that until you're just doing it until you're just oh, yeah. you know pushed in front of the in front of the bus and being like all right get a good thing done get a whole thing done it's crazy and then the the other end of that is and i'm sure you guys deal with this i mean you hold yourselves to a high standard oh, so yeah. it's like i know you know i mean i could throw this out there but you know i want to you know and then that leads to other roadblocks but then when it when it's done and you complete it and it's just to your liking and exactly it's out there i mean you can you can be more proud of it even though i'm sure you guys second guess yourselves the same way i do that's just part of it yeah yeah it's tough i mean we've been because of the quarantine uh jim from ri food fights was like hey like you know we have this big uh social media presence do you guys want to start filming your podcasts for the RI Food Fights audience and posting it on our Facebook and our Instagram every week. And we're like, yeah. yeah, let's do it. And it probably took like four weeks of trying different ways of doing it before we're like, well, this is the best way to do the lights and this is the best way to utilize the cameras and this is the best way to edit this and present this where it doesn't just seem like it's thrown together. Everything is high quality and clear and you're, 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 not your message, but your idea is clear and your concept is clear and it can get to new people and be accepted as what you want it to be accepted as. It's tough. It's really tough. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's a weird thing. So, so you were doing the show and uh, what, what was your day job during the time? Uh, so I worked at the Rhode Island Blood Center I, I, cool. uh, as a, a marketing assistant. It, it was it was just something to do. I still really yeah. believe in the mission of giving blood. I mean, it was, but it taught me a lot. You know, it's funny. A lot of the marketing principles I learned, you know, I still use to this day. So sure. even though it wasn't the field I wanted to be in, met some life, uh, lifelong friends there, made some connections that I still have. I mean, I won't lie. I, I really didn't like it. I mean, I was doing the best I could. I gave sure. it everything I had, but I just had this burning passion for, for TV and broadcasting. And yeah. so I, I, I stuck with doing the show on the side and they were very flexible with me, you know, to, to they really supported that passion of mine to do it. Now the people that I worked with over there, they're just thrilled that I, some of the ones who are still there, like we always knew that you would be doing some kind of broadcasting yeah. for a living loved having you here and ironically on my first day at the road show i had to go to the blood center to film a segment it's just <laughs> nice. weird how, you know like seinfeld the worlds collide and all that stuff yeah. so 
uh, during the, the show, I day job at the Rhode Island Blood Center, of course, and I uh, was uh, a weekend nights uh, bo- foxy lady uh, bouncer. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'd be scared of you. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's so intimidating. <laughs> it's just the girls that were scared of you. <laughs> That hasn't changed. I mean, I I think there's something to be said for having a a day job that allows you to pursue your actual passion. Right. I uh, I was talking to a friend the other day about uh, Jerry Gergich on Parks and Rec. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, his his message was like, look, this job gave me time to spend with my family, and that's what's important to me. And I'm like, wow, Jerry, you really came through on this. But, like, that's how I feel. My day job, I'm not necessarily super passionate about it, but it lets me live the life I want to live. So, like, yeah. For now, it works. You'll always find a way to do what it is you love. And it's funny, we we talked about that today, because I've been using a lot of this time at home to organize and to Mm -hmm. to do stuff while I'm home so much. So today I was actually doing this, and I get so so much mail, you guys, so I've been organizing. Nice. Um, You can see this, you know, and then categorized categorize it all and this is um hang on perfect <laughs> this is prop comedy <laughs> it's an empty fan mail thing and then another <laughs> one for us. this one is <laughs> figure it out for all our audio for all the audio only listeners <laughs> oh, okay there i've got three bins here fan mail empty fan mail sent by mom she was developing writer's cramp empty and then uh the hate mail was overflowing terrible <laughs> visual gag yeah i like that no that's great i'm curious as to what kind do you actually get hate mail no as a roadshow guy do you get you know what this is all a ruse it's all a sham i (laughs) hate mail is all uh, electronic Ah, (laughs) yeah right i'm sure i'm I'm sure you're pissing a lot of people off oh yeah Uh, actually it's just you know when i don't want to get into a whole thing but it, it is funny that now the way it all is everyone has access to you, which yes. has really changed uh, the game. And I, I don't know, that's something that's not always easy to wreck. I mean, it's no. great in yeah. some respects. On the other hand, it's like, all right, like, I mean, you learn to really develop a thick skin very quickly because yeah. you're never going to please everyone. But it's, it, you know, it's just something to deal with. But it is part of being, you know, in media in, in 2020. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's funny that you, you would mention, you know, I brought up the mail thing. I was organizing earlier and I actually came across my job application for when I was applying to work at the blood center and on the application I, <laughs> under like whatever I put that I had this show. Yeah. And it reminded me that when I was in the interview, I said, do you think you, you might be able to, you know, let me leave early one day a month to go do my dopey show? <laughs> <laughs> and they were fine with it. They yeah. thought it was like, coolest thing so i was i it, it was just all coming back to me and it's just funny how those, those memories can flood back oh that's great do, do you actually get people who, who are like i hate this guy get him out of here do, they, do people say that oh yeah I get nasty <laughs> tweets and uh <laughs> you do that's it's crazy like, I, I can't you know you guys know as and thank you for those by the way yes <laughs> It always makes me laugh so much. We're friends with uh, this guy, Casey Jost. He's on Impractical Jokers. He's one of the guys that hosts the segments at the end. We know him. We're friends with him. And I see people put mean stuff about him on the internet all the time. And I'm like, he's the nicest guy. He doesn't say anything remotely upsetting or offensive to anybody. And people are like, fuck this guy. I hate this guy. It's crazy. It's like, what is going on? You know, it reminds, I loved Seinfeld, of course. One of his old jokes was you want to just look over the the partition in the cab when the the driver is all over the place. And you want to look at the driver and say, what is going on in your life that is making you drive like this? (laughs) Yeah. 
applicable to what is make going on in your life that is making you tweet like this like yes. what is going on like how i mean trust me i'm miserable i i there are plenty <laughs> of things that you know grind my gears so, but i could never and there are plenty of people on tv that i'm not a fan of but yeah i'm not gonna like derive satisfaction from telling them oh, how yeah. much like, i i can't i can't fathom that but it, oh it's crazy you know I don't know what to say. I, I you just kind of move on and you do the best you can. And, yeah, 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 yeah. No. It, it's a good life lesson too. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny because I've been on Tell Him Steve Dave a couple of times and, and they have a big audience and a lot of them are, are pretty brutal and mean and they've said a lot of shitty things about me. And I'm just like, what is going on? Like, what did I possibly? It's so funny. That's hilarious. Well, my, my first introduction to that was when I had wicked late and i would i started to you know the advent of youtube in like oh five oh six ish and i was starting to reposition clips and putting them online and i was like learning how it all works and mm -hmm. i would mm -hmm. use like the the tags the, the keywords you know like tonight show cone like because it was late night maybe someone that likes those shows right. sure, looking yeah. find it and somebody wrote the most skit you're not i was looking for conan <laughs> clips and you're not you're not conan and i'm just like <laughs> What what is like what this is the way it is now and I you learn very quickly like do I have to like lecture you on why that are you that stupid but I guess you yes you are they actually. are yeah uh, <laughs> and that was the first and now now it's all different with Twitter and whatnot but at the same time like I'm so grateful that you can get your stuff out there and it's just yeah you're reaching a wide audience so that that is the victory is the fact that you're reaching so many people I think so too I think so too I, yeah gotta, I was uh, gotta get it in there I was what the the Mr Rogers documentary and they they were showing kind of his career and then it got to the point where people were like Mr Rogers damaged America by making people believe they were special. <laughs> and that to me hit home like Mr. Rogers, if, if people hate Mr. Rogers, people can hate me. Yeah, yeah, right. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, you, you really can't please everyone. Not even Mr. Rogers oh, could, so. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. And so it's just, you know, you carry on, do the best you can, and, and that's the way it is. That's awesome. So, okay, so I, I, I like this story. It's fun. We're going at a leisurely pace, and I enjoy that. So you did the show for a while. You moved out to LA for a little bit, and you were an intern for David Letterman. No, so Letterman was preceded my. I was going to uh, say, was was he in New York at that time? Yes. Um. Yeah, it must have been. He was. He was always in New York. So yeah, that's what I was going to uh, say. Yeah. Yeah, that was the spring of two thousand three, and oh, I, wow. I was still at work at the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was always my favorite show. I mean, I, I love Seinfeld, of course, but I the talk show format, like he. Letterman was like the number one and Conan yeah. was like a covered Conan later. And the two of them were really like the most inspirational to me. And I was like, boy, if I could just, maybe I could intern on, on the late show, you know, and, yeah. and work for Letterman and maybe someday I could get a job there from the internship. And it was, I I'll never forget how nerve, like I had been to see the show a bunch of times cause you know, New York's close and you can right, go right. see shows and all that. Yeah. And, uh, I just always like it was cool being in the Ed Sullivan Theater and seeing Dave live, but I was like, "What? What's going on? Like, how do they make the show? That that's what's more interesting to me. Like, how do they? Who is that guy? Walk like the band's playing. Like, sure. who's that dude? And who is that? Like, what are they doing? And I, I thought it was all just so fascinating. And so I applied and I and I went there for an interview and I was so nervous. I've never been more nervous because I just really wanted it. They were mm -hmm. good nerves. Mm -hmm. And it was like a lengthy process. It's like four hours. You meet with like every department because that show had like a eighty to like a hundred people working on right. it. Sure, yeah. And I worked in the talent department. So I was tasked with um anything guest related. So I was there from January to like June of two thousand three and just living and working in Manhattan and it was the 
it was the greatest thing ever. I got to be on the show a couple times in cameos. And I mean, that's just, I mean, think of your, whatever inspired you and getting to meet that person and beyond like to be a part of what they, what is their art, so to speak. And it was just, it, it was just awesome. I can't think of any other way. So I was pretty, when he left the air, the nightly air, but it's just yeah. over five years ago now, which seems impossible. Like I, that was like a tough one for me because, you know, that's like the first thing that like is not there anymore from when you were a kid. And it was just to me, uh, a reflection of just how time passes, not to get all, you know, maudlin here or melancholic, but it was to me a reminder of just, Hey, you know, time passes, things change. And uh, that was the first real one other than like, you know, obviously Seinfeld had left the year, but those daily shows that I love so yes. much, Dave was like the first one to leave. And so that was a, a big moment for me in my life. And, and I was always just very proud of the fact that what I learned at that show, you know, I took all the things I, I learned being there and you know, how do they put this together? And then I applied it to my public access show. And obviously it wasn't as big, but I took little things. Okay, that's how you book this. This is how you work off a guest here or get them. I, don't know, I, I just took the principles and then to have it lead to my job now as, you know, a talk show host or co-host is really a full circle thing for me. And it's, it's something I'm very proud of. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Where, where did you live? That's what I want to know. Cause it's a tough, that's a tough change. <laughs> yes. Well, there are several dumpsters behind the Ed Sullivan. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I lived at, Oh God, 47th street between second and third. So wow. the East side over by the UN. Yeah. And it was cool when the weather was nice. I could walk across town to work and you guys know, like going cross town is quite a hype, but it was still yes. cool in the springtime, just walking there. Yeah. Um, I learned how to take the subway, navigate cross town as yeah. well. So I was, it was just a really awesome time. And there were just like 10 of us that were all at 21 or you know 20 and just yeah. having a blast in Manhattan running around. Like it was the greatest. That's awesome. That's crazy. So when you, uh, so I just, I guess the final thing we'll talk about is just like the production of the road show. It's, that's fun, man. Cause when I, well, I'll say this, when I, when I went on with the band, you know, we were, I, I don't drink. I'm not a drugger. I'm not any of those things. Drugger. So we were just, we were just, uh, <laughs> we were just legitimately tired. I wasn't like, oh, I was cool. I was hung over. It's like, no, no, no. I was just tired. I wanted a bagel. And, uh, <laughs> but we I'm were, not a drugger, but I am a bageler. <laughs> <laughs> but we really like, you know, so we were kind of in and out. But recently when I went on, when you guys called me and I went on for the roadie roundup, I was like, wow, this, this set is super lax like crazy lax and that's yeah very i'm very thankful for that because that's the <laughs> environment that is gonna make it fun to work in um but yeah like, tell me about the production of the road show because that's really fun well right now we're in this un- unusual spot where oh, i mean yeah. we're on still broadcasting which is great but it's a half an hour right now as a, as of our recording here right just from 9 to 30 because we're not welcoming in guests there's there's mm-hmm. We don't have as many elements to work with to fill the hour. So we're a condensed version, the truncated roadshow, as I like to say. And But I'm glad we still have a presence. So right now things are a little bit different. But when they're normal, uh, the, the schedule is uh, I'm picked up. I live close by, so I have a, a, an inter- intern transport me via rickshaw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. That was awesome. Environmentally friendly. It's good. That's right. Pull with your leg. You know yes. what though? I gotta say, I don't like that you make him wear that hat. <laughs> uh, that feels <laughs> culturally insensitive at best. And it's weird because it's a French guy. Yes. So, first of all, it's a she. <laughs> oh man. Um, but we get in at about seven. The show's on live at nine, and then we have a little production meeting rundown. 
uh, very similar to the one that you gentlemen had yeah. uh, around noon today. <laughs> and I, we go over what's going to happen that day, and we go over the guests and everything that's happening, and yeah. then that ends at about like seven fifteen. And then we, you know, we come up with a buzz topic in the middle of the show. We have the roadshow buzz, which is like a lighthearted uh, conversation segment where the hosts just talk about yeah. whatever yeah. is going on and like something lighthearted. And once we come up with that, then it's just like kind of all hands on deck. I mean, I, I need to. I really need a team to help put this together. Yeah, yeah, the haircut. Not, but it does take some time to, you know, fix myself and pull it together, whatever it is that I have. Yeah. And um, but other than that, like we're we're monitoring social media because we put the buzz topic out on Facebook, and you can follow us at the Road Show, and we go live every morning. Lately, we've been doing it at about quarter of uh, eight the buzz topic and the people chime in with their thoughts. And so I'm, I'm responsible for putting those comments in, make mm -hmm. sure they go out and I read them in the middle of the show. Uh, I also do a segment at the top of the show. When I first started working there, it was called trending, but it's kind of uh, morphed into something different where I kind of, and I like this, I have some creative space at the top. It starts with Will Gilbert and Michaela Johnson and then they kick it over to me. And I, I just, I comment on something in the news or I have what I like to call the Kirby quiz Spelled K W I Z. Oh, oh, yeah. Adorable. Stop it, Brendan. Oh, with the K. <laughs> or like if it's national, you know, like pencil day or something like that. What, like something light that I can kind of play off of and that Will and Michaela can play off of as well. Or if it's a piece of material that I've produced or created because it is national, what, like whatever it is, I have like a, a segment there. Or sometimes it's just me commenting on a video. So the time before the show is used to get that ready. Um, and that's about it. And then that we're over at 10, we're on for the hour and we distribute the segments between the three of us. And then when it's over, we, well, the rickshaw comes back around. Y'all, y'all stand each other's shoulders. Yeah, <laughs> actually it's, um, it's nice because we we're usually going out somewhere to shoot a segment for an upcoming show yeah. or we are recording things in the studio doing a pre-tape that's going to air the next day or the next week or something. So, and we're usually done by about two, two thirty or if we're not going out anywhere to shoot anything or we're not doing an interview in the studio, we'll be writing the segment, you know, working with the right. editor to get whatever it is that we shot down to like yeah. two and a half, three minutes. So it's airable, like you guys know. And so yeah. it's fun. I love it. I always wanted to be a part of a, a daily talk show that provided some form of entertainment. And it's just great. And people like you come in, like we meet so many I know. Uh, of our you know, broadcasting brethren, if you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even the, uh, awesome. we went on, it was um, Nick, the owner of uh, Avenue N. Yep. Yeah, that was, and I was like, oh man, this guy's such a good guy. It's funny, I actually, it was really strange. When I went on recently, I was on the Roadie Roundup, and um, I met the I met Nick, like the weekend before that, I just happened to meet him at the restaurant for like two seconds, and then we met up again, like the next week on the Roadie Roundup, and he was like a super nice guy, and I love that. Yeah. I love I love like the press serving as the bridge between everybody that's part of like the community that's that's doing different things, doing different creative things to kind of have a, a relationship. It's really, really fun. Yeah. And that's kind of been the, the you know, it's all sad what's going on right now. But yes. the, the you know, the fact that we, we can't welcome everybody in right now. And, you yeah. know, the you know, I'm very proud of the fact that. You know, the roadshow is really kind of like the, the hub for, you know, restaurants and businesses and they come in and, and we share your message and, yeah. and you share it with us and then it gets out there and your success is our success. And I, and I really believe in that. And if we can entertain and also inform, it's going to build your business and everything. So the fact that we're not welcoming everybody in is 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 sad, but it's also scary for these businesses because yeah. that's their lifeblood, the community and, and whatnot. Right. So 
hopefully we can get back as soon as possible and, and to what it is we do because I, I don't like the half hour show. I do prefer the hour. It gives us more breathing room. There's more to do. It's sure. And there's not as much energy in the room because only two people are hosting the show per day right now So because we're limiting the people in the studio, which right, we have right. to do. So you don't have that real like – we love making fun of each other, you know, Will, yeah. Michaela, and I, like, we love teasing, and this, like, something happened off camera and, like, off mic, and I'll make a reference to it, and then that's something throughout the, like, right. you can't really do any of those, you know, those callbacks to those those running kind of things that would happen throughout the course of an hour, so, yeah. you know, I miss the energy, and I miss the regular show, but we're, we're doing the best we can right now. That's awesome, man. Well, I, 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 uh, I'm happy we had this little conversation, just in general, even if this didn't happen on a podcast, I'm happy we got to oh, talk yeah. like this. First of all, my uh, lower back is starting to hurt because I'm sitting in this chair that offers very little lumbar support. So I may have to be carried to the set tomorrow. That's number one. Need and a number two, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> bigger rickshaw. Uh, and number two, please follow me on all the social things. I'm Do at it. Brendan Kirby TV. That's yes. T E E. No, that's the letter T and the letter V. So. Yeah. Follow away, and it's nonsense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And and thanks for having me on, boys. Yeah, yeah, this is this is great. I'm glad I'm glad we connected. I kind of just like thought about it. I was like, you know what? Let's just reach out to different people that we like and barely know. You know what I mean? That's kind of a it's a good way to 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 build the community and to talk to people. Yeah, you thought about it, and you thought, well, I guess he's the only one that's replied to the email. So we'll have <laughs> I get a couple of replies. I'll get to them someday. This was great. Yeah, thank man, you just, so much. This is very, very fun. You know, hopefully we'll work together again soon in some capacity. If you ever have a crazy idea, you can count on Chuck and Brad to be part of it. You can. Thank you very much. Yes, Brad, not Brent. I'm only kidding around. No, no, you're Brady. good. You're good. I hope to see Brad's face eventually. It <laughs> we, would be nice. He's... This is, he's, no, he's no you little, don't. He's a little. He's a little frightening. We, this is calculated. The fact that you, you only see me. You've it's... seen. You've seen Goonies, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, say Brad, like, hey you guys that's all that's, that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> oh i thought maybe you you resembled mama for telling <laughs> oh i wish i wish maybe in his younger days yes <laughs> well well good luck going going forward guys is it really 469 of these yeah, yeah. it really is, yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah. we started in two, we started in 2009 so we've done a bunch you know weird and i that's great and i think that's terrific and i and like i feel if i've been looking like forlorn this entire interview i i because the cameras this is a whole disaster so i hope this is you i hope it's usable and uh you know here's to the great. three more listeners slash viewers you'll get because i was on we'll take them <laughs> appreciate it buddy we'll be in contact okay. and thanks again thank you have a great night see you guys take you care Brennan. see you later Wow, and that was that was Brendan Kirby. That was a lot of fun. That was great. Now that our charm levels at an all time high, back to me and Brad. <laughs> <laughs> this this will bring it down to the correct average level of charm. So so we just got a couple of quick topics that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, bring it on. Little things. Um, and uh, yeah, like I, I want to talk about Godzilla, but we're gonna wait till next week to talk about Godzilla. Okay. He's a he's a monster. Green tall guy. He's all tail. He's. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got him. I got him. Did you say tail? Yes. Yeah. He has tail. Okay. Yeah. Um, All right. So here's two things I want to talk about. One, um, and we're not going to get into this because I feel like, okay, we'll we'll talk about this because it kind of, it kind of backs up my feelings. There's a situation going on right now where there's a podcast called Call Her Daddy. Right. 
And Call Her Daddy is a podcast on the Barstool Sports Network. Mm-hmm. And there was this huge thing that's been happening with them for the past month or so where they had a meteoric rise, Call Her Daddy, as this female-driven podcast. Right. And then they basically, I don't want to say went on strike, but just stopped recording episodes in a, in a, to, to make Barstool Sports pay them more money, give them higher percentages of merch, different things. And the owner of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, kind of came out and told the story of what happened. Right. And it's funny, this is, we're not going to get into this. I was, I never heard of this podcast before. I've, I know what Barstool Sports is. In my head, it's like a sports story website. I don't know. I, that's what I think it is. Sure. I don't know. And, uh, but I feel like because people hate Dave Portnoy so much, I, we can't even talk about this in the podcast because people will be mad. Is that that's, possible? That is possible. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's, so you, we, I can't even have a talk about it because I tried to talk to Ray about this and he wasn't having it. Yeah. He's like, I hate Dave Portnoy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, here's the story. He's like, no, I hate this guy. I, 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 I was like, what are you saying? He, 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 he grew taller. He, he grew a he grew tail. tail. <laughs> Wrecked like, Tokyo. Like, Can we talk about the situation at hand? He's like, seven years ago, he said unions were bad. And I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know about this. So it's funny because I have very little knowledge of like these moguls i don't know that much about elon musk who did all these things tesla he did a lot of things smokes a lot of weed his his points went down people didn't like the weed dave portnoy he has a barstool sports website and the sports and this podcast and he he doesn't like unions and he's bad then there's uh keep going i want to hear your 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 (laughs) mogul list well there's there's, this is this is fascinating these people that these are people that are behind something. What about uh, uh, Murdoch? How about this? How about this? R- Rupert Murdoch. Bill, Bill Gates. Yep. He's probably a terrible piece of shit. Steve what? Jobs. Is he is he terrible? No, Bill Gates is like They don't I thought people hate Bill Gates. Yeah, people hate Bill Gates. Why? Beca- he's a mogul. Because he's wealthy. That's it. Steve but, Jobs no. piece of shit, right? Steve Jobs, big piece of shit. All right. Bill Gates is like, hey, let, hey, other billionaires, let's give away most of our money. Let's fund AIDS research. That's let's, what I thought. Right. For me, everybody's a great guy. That's right. what I think about St- every St- single person St- that's ever St- walked the St- face of the earth. <laughs> 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 Not how I feel, <laughs> except for Godzilla. Yes, Steve Jobs was uh, was acerbic. Uh, he was very difficult to deal with. Yes. Very blunt. Uh, and okay, pe- Vice, people didn't like Vice. that. I don't know who runs Vice. The owner of Vice. Bill Vice. The owner of Vice. Edelweiss. Who, which, which I think of as like a woke company exposing things. Yep. He's like a Ku Klux Klan member. Wow, I didn't know that. That might be wrong. <laughs> I swear to God. He's, he's allegedly. Some kind, of, he's some kind of a racist. Someone told me. Vice, owner, uh, white supremacist. Let's oh, okay. see what comes up. This is real time, folks. Uh, Gavin McInnes, Proud Boys. He's part of the he Proud oh. Boys founder. How he went from hipster Brooklyn hipster to blah blah blah. See, okay, yeah, Proud that's Boys. Good. That's yeah. a, that's a white supremacist group. Yes, that's they bad are. News. Everyone's so bad. Everyone does bad things. Right. So I, it's hard for me to talk about these stories where I'm looking at the story as an individual piece, and people are like, "Fuck this guy, fucking hate." And me and you had this fight. Yes, years ago because Gawker. Yep. The website posted a, ta- a sex tape of Hulk Hogan yep. without his consent. And I was like, that's fucked up. And you're like, I'll kill you. Fuck you. They, they, they deserved it. His dick is newsworthy. Remember you said all those things? I don't remember those exact phrases. 
I was trying to make the argument that they were making, that that Gawker was making. Yes. And uh, you said the the law is stupid, and I said, I, like, I don't I don't know the law. I'm not a lawyer. I know. But like, this is what's being argued, and you're like, yeah, but what about this? And I'm like, okay, as I stay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway. So there's some things I feel like we can't even talk about because they're too inflammatory. Right. Even not because like they're they're racist or sexist or they have some sort of offensive uh, tone to the argument, but just because the people are disliked. Yes. Right. Yeah. So like the call her daddy barstool sports situation, I feel like we can't talk about that because people will think I'm an idiot because of the side. I might think like, wow, this is weird that these people did this and these people did this. Right. Um, situation is coming to a head, by the way. Um. Anyway, so, uh, but one of the things I did want to talk about was, so we had this argument about Gawker versus Hulk Hogan. Yes, we did. And around, so what happened was, uh, you know, Hulk Hogan was filmed having sex with the wife of a radio DJ named Bubba the Love Sponge. That's correct. And he says he didn't even know he was being filmed. He thought he was just having sex with this guy's wife, like consensually with the guy. Right. The guy like liked to watch it happen. And, and... I mean, eventually it was, I don't know if you know this, it was proven that like, that he, that Hulk Hogan found out about the tape and bought the rights from it, from Bob the Love Sponge. And so he owned the rights to the tape so that it could never get out. But someone gave it to Gawker and Gawker put it up. And what happened was there was essentially like different aspects to it. One was Hulk Hogan has a sex tape, which is like salacious and sensational. Yes. One was that this sex tape included a lot of racial slurs. Yes. You know, of just a conversation. Right. And that's like a separate thing almost. And then um, there was, then there's more aspects to it I'm going to get to. But so when it happened, I was so confused about this thing. The reason I'm bringing it up is because it's a documentary I watched that I want to talk about. Got it. Um, what happened was I was like, how could you post a video of someone having sex against their will and like defend it as journalism? Right. Right. Because there's no truth there. You know, right. you could say he has a sex tape and that's true. Um, and you can't stop someone from saying that, especially if they have proof. Um, but the, the, the need to post it is unnecessary. But at the, around the same time, what was happening was this fappening thing. Yes. Where a lot of Hollywood starlets, young women. Jennifer their, Lawrence among them. Jennifer Lawrence. Yep. Scarlett Johansson, yep. which she had a successful trial as yep. well. Um, had like naked pictures of themselves stolen from their phones. And when they were posted, all these news media websites refused to like share links to it. Right. They reported on it and said this happened, but they weren't like sharing naked pictures of Jennifer Lawrence. And I was always like, well, what's the difference between posting a naked, you know, a sex tape of Hulk Hogan, he doesn't want it there, or posting naked pictures of Jennifer Lawrence right. and she doesn't want them there. Right. And the argument of the part of the argument from Gawker was that it was newsworthy yes. that Hulk Hogan had a sex tape. But my thought was like, well, why would it not be newsworthy that Jennifer Lawrence has naked pictures? If, if the other ones know there was newsworthy. Right. Hulk Hogan's peak of fame <clears throat> was probably 25 years before this happened. Right. Jennifer Lawrence's peak is like at that point in time. Right. And I think it's fucked up on both ends. I think anyone sharing the Hulk Hogan sex tape is fucked up. And I think anyone you know, putting the, the nudes out there of Jennifer Lawrence against her will is fucked up. Right. Um, and we talked about it and it was similar because you were like, well, I like, uh, Deadspin. Deadspin. And yeah. they're friends with Gawker. Or they're part of Gawker. Part of Gawker. Like Kotaku. Yes. Gizmodo. Correct. What else? There's like uh, 12. Jezebel. Yeah. Jalopnik. Jalopnik. The Root. 
Now you're making them up. No, I'm not. Is it about bad cars? That's it's well, it's about it's about cars. Oh, okay. Auto culture. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, but I was like, how could this be? So I watched this documentary called uh, Nobody Speak. Okay. And it's kind of, at the beginning, it's kind of arguing in the favor of Gawker. And saying that it should be newsworthy. But what's difficult is they're not presenting these arguments of, well, why did you not post the naked pictures of Jennifer Lawrence? Right. Because I feel like that's so obviously an invasion of privacy. Right. It's, it's a parallel. Why isn't it with Hulk Hogan? I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't figure it out. So anyway... The documentary kind of is like saying like, I really felt bad for Hulk Hogan because he went, they, they tried to get him in court. They were like, you talk, they said, you said it's an invasion of privacy. You talked about your penis on a radio show. You talked about it. And, and first of all, I think that talking about sex on a radio show doesn't mean that someone can show your sex tape without your consent. Right. I don't think it's the same. I, I, and I bet Jennifer Lawrence has talked about her boobs on a, on a late night show. Probably. And I don't think that means that you can share those pictures. I think that's fucked up. So anyway... And his answer was, when I was talking on that radio show, it's really, I'm talking about like Hulk Hogan, the character's penis. And I said it was nine inches long and like all these different things. He's like, it's not really talking about me, Terry Bollea. Right. I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. And they were trying to frame that as like insane. Don't you completely think that makes sense? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it does. But it, And he it, goes like this. He goes, uh, if you're asking me if my penis is actually nine inches long, the answer is no. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And it's weird because like you see a comedian, you see a, a wrestler especially. Right. When they go in a performative space, like a late night show, a radio show, the idea that they're not playing up their character, like if you don't understand that, isn't that weird? It, it is. And so, so what happened was, this is what happened. So Hulk Hogan won this lawsuit. But during it, here's a really interesting thing. I don't think you know about this. During the lawsuit the team, the legal representatives of Hulk Hogan, they uh, withdrew one of their parts of their lawsuit, which was um, emotional duress. Okay. Right? They withdrew that from their lawsuit. Why did they do that? And you're going to be like, oh, what do you tell I, you? I, I, I don't know. Because it was because, hard to prove emotional duress? Because if Gawker gets sued successfully and uh-huh. has emotional duress, that's inflicting harm on someone else and their insurance will cover it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so the legal team wanted Gawker to pay, not their insurance to pay. Wow. Right? Yeah. So here's what happened. As the trial went on, there were some questions as to, I guess the, I guess the lawyers they had and how tenacious they were or something. How does Hulk Hogan have this much money to pay these lawyers this much? Yes. Even though his payout was like $140 million. Yeah. And what came out was there was this guy, forgive me for getting his name. It's Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel, who had a personal vendetta against Gawker. Yes. And me and you have talked about it before, and you were like, yeah, he's a Republican guy, and they kind of outed him as a gay guy, and he didn't want to be outed, and that's part of his... That was my understanding, yes. So that's basically not part of it. Oh, wow. That did happen. Yep. But more than that, they reported against tons of things that he and his friends did that were fucked up oh. like invested a ton of money in this thing and got people to invest in it and it was a complete failure okay or like one of his friends had like a wedding at this like i don't, I don't, I don't want to say like a nature observatory but like a protected space okay what's it called you don't talk like about a sanctuary. sanctuary wildlife sanctuary yeah like a wildlife yeah. and damaged a bunch of things and they reported on it right and so peter thiel is that you said yeah he just thought that they were just like he's like i don't want these people to re- these people are down to report negatively on things 
and they're kind of like shitty. And that that's the whole, the beginning of the documentary is about how Gawker came out and they kind of were like way meaner than anybody else. Right. They were like, this girl gained weight and they had a picture of like this celebrity next to a picture of Jabba the Hutt. Right. And they were just doing really mean, that's low very mean. stuff. Yeah. And like, there's a clip of Jimmy, Jimmy Kimmel, like talking to them directly on like CNN or something like that and being like, I think what you do is fucking terrible. I think, I don't know how you sleep at night. And so they started out with this mean thing coming at this guy, Peter Thiel's friends for probably legitimate reasons. Right. Then the Hulk Hogan case happens. Peter Thiel is part of a million, like a ton of lawsuits against Gawker. Yep. And Hulk Hogan just happened to be the one that he was able to be part of to fund the lawyers to bankrupt Gawker and stop them. Wow. So the whole thing is, it's it's more about him. And he's like, I don't want to say that he's out and out, like, he's racist. He's like a racist guy. He has these like racist backwards beliefs. I mean, he has this thing, this belief that racism only exists because people say it exists and all this stuff like that. Like he's a crazy guy. Right. And Hulk Hogan ended up kind of just being like a pawn in this where he's like, I, I think it's fucked up that they posted my sex tape without my consent. Yep. I don't think that's okay, no matter what. I don't think it's newsworthy. Right. Um, and someone said, can I fund your case against them? And he said, yeah, absolutely. And they did. And Hulk Hogan was just used as like a vehicle yeah. for shutting down Gawker from Peter Thiel. So it's almost like they did a fucked up thing by doing this. Yeah. And Hulk Hogan was right in his lawsuit and right in his feelings. And, and even the people from like Gawker that are on their side were like, when the verdict was read in court, like Hulk Hogan, like started to weep. So the idea that he wasn't actually emotionally invested in this KP, they like we don't think that that's true. Right. We think that he is emotionally invested in this, but it was used as like a it was like a weaponized lawsuit. Yes. From Peter Thiel behind the scenes, and so the documentary goes on called Nobody Speak to talk about <clears throat> other people who are basically using their money and their influence to silence journalists yeah and the next one was about this it was kind of a smaller story that wasn't really part of the trailer i guess right and it was about this uh smaller paper in vegas that reported on like you know people in vegas that are part of politics and stuff like that and essentially one of those people that's like in a family that's high up bought the paper and then they were no longer to talk about them yeah and uh it was about the people going against it Excellent documentary, really shined a lot of light on the Hulk Hogan Gawker yeah. case, which me and you have talked about yes. for years. Yes, we to have. the point where you're like, I refuse to talk about it. That's where I'm at. <laughs> let the dick be shown. <laughs> let, let, let the newsworthy dick be shown. <laughs> got it. You got to clarify. Um, and uh, oh, yeah. You know, one of the things that the guy wrote, the Gawker article. Yes. They said, this is the best thing. Uh, they said, you said that Hulk Hogan. Uh, having sex is newsworthy. He's like, yep. He goes, so do you th- what what sex tape from any celebrity do you think would not be newsworthy? He goes, I guess if the celebrity was a child. And they said, well, what age? And he goes, under the age of four. Yeah. He was very flippant. And he later said, he's like, I shouldn't have been so flippant. Well, he was flippant in the wrong uh, scenario. Yes. Because it was in the deposition. Yes. And it was like crazy. Yeah. They, they raked him over the coals for that. And rightfully so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, th- then it's weird because you also... We're also robbed of his real answer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because what is the answer to that? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it really, to me, it really made, I got to say the, the intro of Gawker being like, we're dicks, ha ha ha, we're dicks, we're yeah. dicks. I'm just like, fuck these people. Yeah. And then, uh, but then, yes, yeah, the thing about the guy weaponizing it is really crazy because the stuff that they were writing about, about him and his, and his friends and stuff like that, it seemed legitimate in terms of journalism, right. it wasn't like a fat, the girl, like a fat celebrity with a picture of Jabba the Hutt. Right. 
but he was kind of treating it like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was great. Watch it. It's on Netflix. I, it's, I feels like some Netflix documentaries are A plus documentaries. Yeah. But they're just not about things that are part of the culture currently. Right. So they don't get that much coverage. Yeah. I'll put it this way. Tiger King. Yep. Is sensational. Yes, it is. And crazy. And it's getting a lot of news. It's so kooky and crazy. But this thing is put together at least as well as Tiger King. Right. And it's excellent. And uh, it's, it's more about courtroom stuff and journalism stuff. Maybe it's a little bit drier. Yeah. But man, it was great. And the other thing I want to tell you about before we go is a new series on Netflix that just started. I barely saw anything about it. It's called Trial by Media. Okay. All I saw was the first episode. I'm going to watch more. They're standalone episodes. They're kind of about, I guess, court cases that have to do with the media. Okay. First one is the only one I watched. A guy. Okay, there's three people. I think it's Donna. Okay. Ooh, I don't want to get their names mixed up. You know what I mean? Um, Donna. Hold on. Lana. Donna, Scott, and Tom. Okay. Um, so, oh man, I don't want to use the wrong names. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Donna's a girl. Scott is a homosexual man. Okay. And John is just a guy. All right. Uh, just heterosexual? A, just a heterosexual guy. Okay. And so Jenny Jones, which is a show I never really watched, no. but I know it's kind of like... Syndicated. It's almost like Jerry Springery, Maury, yeah. whatever. She said, we're going to have a show about secret crushes, right? They call this guy John. Right. They say, you're going to come on and talk and you're, you're going to find out a secret crush. He's like, okay. And they said, it could be a man or a woman. He said, okay. Came on the show. Sitting on the stage was Donna and Scott. Right. Scott tells him that he has... He's like, he's like, he's like I have a crush on you or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. Jenny Jones reveals it, whatever it is. And John is like, oh, no. And he's smiling the whole time. And he's yeah. like, oh, man. He's like, oh, he's like, he's like, you know, he's like, uh, I'm, a, I'm completely heterosexual. Right. Um, and uh, Jenny Jones is like, oh, that's all right. She's like, it's a compliment. And before he came out, she said to Scott, like, oh, yeah, like, what do you think about John? Like, do you ever fantasize about him? And he's like, oh, I'd like to tie him up to my hammock and like liquid cream off him and have some champagne and blah, blah, blah. Tying somebody up to a hammock doesn't seem... <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. Maybe he said with a hammock. Oh, okay. Because you could do that. That's Just fine. Rope. Yeah, that's that's less weird somehow. So here's what happened. So Donna and John and Scott went home. Right. And they went out that night and they hung out and they were fine. Then Scott left like a note that was a little bit like like forward about, yeah. about at John's house about how he liked him. Hammock time? Question mark. John went to a store, bought okay. a gun Go and boy. some bullets. Okay. And he went to Scott's trailer. Okay. And he had words with Scott in the trailer, and then he went out to his car and got the gun, and he killed shot. He killed Scott. Oh. He killed him in the trailer. That's not nice. So the lawsuit is about, is John responsible, or is the TV show responsible for exploiting people's emotions? Mm. Uh, I mean... <laughs> Do you ever feel like the court of public opinion means so much that you don't even want to say what your think is? Yes. What you think? Yes, I, I think that's the case. Um, you know, I, I think uh, given the time frame, it's hard to argue that the TV show is at fault. Given, given like, if it was on stage, you know, then the TV show is at fault, first of all, for not screening for weapons. But the fact that he... Oh, if he killed him on stage. Yeah, if he purchased a gun after the fact, yes. seems like that's... His choice. It's, yeah. it's not Jenny Jones's choice. Well, they're saying basically. So, so it's really, really. I, and I do think like shows like that can be exploitative. So, so this, you know, the, this documentary that's on Netflix right now. This is episode one of Trial by Media. It's like an hour and ten minutes. Okay. And basically, there's this like lawyer who's like famous 
to, to, to like he's a famous like celebrity lawyer or something mm-hmm. like that entertainment lawyer who's like vicious and he kind of like chips away at people and it has his whole cross-examination of jesse jones okay and um jenny jones jenny jones sorry jesse jones <laughs> and jenny jones <laughs> and uh he's like you know He's like, uh, he's like, you know, what if we had you come up here and, uh, you know, I talked about my sexual fantasies and stuff like that. Would you be embarrassed? And she said no, which is not really true. Right. Um, but uh, he was trying to really make the case that this was the fault of the TV show and not of the guy because they humiliated him on television. Mm-hmm. By the way, this happened before it aired. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't air when, when he was killed. Right. So, uh, and I think it never aired. No, I don't honestly. think. I, 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 I vaguely remember, yeah. you know. Yeah. The kerfuffle around this. Yeah. So, so yeah. So the whole thing is basically like these two sides of like who's who's to blame. Um, and I think the guy went to jail for 22 years um, and they argued his charges down to like involuntary second degree manslaughter, something like that. Seems like it was pretty voluntary. So, something like that. Maybe yeah. it was voluntary second degree okay. manslaughter. But uh, yeah, it was really crazy. And I was like, and me and Gina were watching it and we're like, man, how could you argue that and it was it was such a short segment it was so simple yeah. and here's an interesting logical fallacy okay i want to know what you think about this you love logic you love catching me in logical fallacies well think about this ready yes i come inside okay i bought you a treat <gasps> what a pastry oh from a bakery okay i'm with you and so I have far. one treat in a bag yep and you say what is it and i say ah could be a lot of things it could be a chocolate chip cookie from Reading Street Cafe. Oh, delicious! Be a bear claw from, uh, from also delicious. Uh, so Vienna far, Bakery. So far, two for two. I would eat them. Or it could be uh, an Asiago bagel from uh, Sip and Dip. I'm a bageler, <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, am I lying? No, all those statements are true. But I know, right, that it's not at Any least of- two of those things. Yeah. Well, and. I, I'll, I'll say, isn't this interesting? I'll, I'll say it, 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 it could be, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. You know that it's only one of them. I'm fine, right? But if it's a fourth thing, you still haven't technically lied to me. You're a jerk, but you're not a liar in that instance. If if it's there's, you know if if it's like uh, you know Chuck Staten's homemade uh, garbage cookies <laughs> yeah, well, made with made with Chuck Staten's made garbage. garbage, yes, <laughs> actual garbage. Frank, yes, yeah. So you know. It, it's it's a, a letter of the law, spirit of the law kind of thing. That's, so that's the thing they right. said to the girl. They said, you told him it could be a man or a woman that yeah. has a crush on you. And she's like, that's right. I told him that. And they go, so you were lying to him. And she's like, no, I wasn't lying to him. And she said, you told him it could be a woman and you knew that it wasn't a woman. So you were lying to him. You said it could be a woman and you knew it could not have been a woman. But if if she said it could be a man or a woman, that's true. If she said it could be a woman, I, I mean... It's, uh, here's what I said yeah. to Gina. I think that when you say you're going to get a surprise and it, it could be blank, right. you're kind of saying from your point of view, yep. here are the possibilities. Right. You're not saying I know what it is and it is and it, and it is all of these things. Right. I mean, I was like, but that is a weird logical fallacy where it's like technically if I say there could be a puppy next to me right now, I am lying. I know there's not one. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Anyway, this lawyer was I mean, kind of like there couldn't be. My lease doesn't allow it. He, there, there was a lawyer. The lawyer was really attacking like stuff like that. Yeah. Like he was really being a piece of shit. Um, 
but he was really going at it to the point where like i wasn't tricked at all right but i was like they hammered it home that it was like the talk show's fault this 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 side of this and i was like i was like is it possible that they have some kind of blame for this and in my head i kind of rationalized it with if they surprise people on talk shows mm-hmm. and maury does it and uh montel does it and jesse jamie jenny james does it <laughs> Jerry Springer does it. And all these people do it. Yep. And they've done it for years. And talk shows have evolved to include this. How many cases have there been where they surprise people with information on a show? Many. Millions. Whatever. How many of them ended in one guy killing another? Not many. Probably just one. Right. And so is the problem with the format or is the problem with the person? Yeah. The the person who a day later bought a gun. Yeah. And I and I also I mean I mean I hate to do any victim blaming, but like also it happened after that more sensual note was left. Right. So isn't that part of this as well? Right. Because what if that didn't happen in between the show and the murder? Yeah. Would because that's pushing it a little bit further. Right. It stops being a performance or on TV and starts being more personal and real. Anyway, um, but I was I was kind of like man I don't know how to feel about this because I'm not really like I'm not like crazily in support of talk shows that are kind of like we're going to surprise this person with this thing and see how they react right i'm not like crazy like that but at the same time i think limiting that is damaging and i think that you you get if you eventually get into impractical jokers territory yeah where it's like what if you know one of the challenges is that the guys have to kind of act a little bit you know uh complimentary to a guy or something yeah and he feels humiliated afterwards and he kills someone like it's crazy to blame the format of the show on it and I was telling Gina, I do think that not only, you know, my argument about all the other shows that have done this, but also like television is a, the art of television, daytime television, talk shows, all that stuff is an evolving uh, medium all the time. Right. And to kind of slowly evolve to this point and all of a sudden say, this was not okay. There should have been a line drawn, even though tons of shows have been doing it for years and it eventually got here, they should have known better, I think is not fair to put on them. Yeah. And I think, if, so eventually... I think what happened was the guy was found guilty, like I said. Yeah. Then there was a second lawsuit against a Jenny Jones show. Nice. And I, I think that they, they, the family of the victim won for like $25 million. Wow. And then they appealed it and the family lost and they never got paid for it. Yeah. But I mean, it's a sad story all around. Yeah. But isn't that crazy? It really like, is. Wow. And, and it's cool. I will say the documentary, very well produced. Um, I like, like I like Judge Judy. I like sitting down and being like, this is right and this is wrong yeah. and blah, blah. You know, me and you like justice. We're like figuring out who's right yeah. and who's wrong. We like the discussion of aspect of it. So the show is really fun because it's essentially, it's kind of like a McMillions okay. a little bit, yeah. but it's a condensed, instead of a six episode thing, it's one hour right. specific thing. Oh man, McMillions is so fucking awesome. It really is. Uh, you know, Ray doesn't like McMillions that much. Um, I did not. <laughs> Ray is our buddy. He's a comedian who's uh, not on the podcast all the time, but he's on often during the quarantine. Yeah. He hasn't been on the past couple episodes uh, because uh, he has shingles. Yep. Ray Harrington comedy. Does a lot of shingle comedy. Yeah. He showed me his new uh, five. Uh-huh. All shingles. Oh, boy. And uh, I can't say it's relatable. Oh, no. That's too bad. Um, He's trying. Yeah. He's but, trying. You know, that's important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. I wanted we, to do we, more. We, we, we hope to have him back soon. All right. Um, yeah, Ray Harrington's a great guy. You should follow him on uh, whatever he's on. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I really like it. 
you should give it a shot try uh, yeah. media I'm, i, I want to watch the rest of it with gene my girlfriend um but it was fun nice all right buddy well that's pretty much it for this week i mean we had that great interview with brendan kirby oh, such a good guy I appreciate him being on jim nellis calling in um and then a little bit of talk about you know all this media nonsense yeah it's crazy I, I, I don't know how people like you and ray have this knowledge of these people i don't know you know who dave portnoy is ray knows all about the owner of vice everyone knows about the gawker everyone knows about all these media companies i'm like where would i have ever heard about these i mean i have i have a desk job and so yeah. part of that is having time to you know at, at, go on deadspin back before it got bought out you and, think that you're reading that and i'm like what's the history of garfield is that <laughs> similar <laughs> no i i think you're working on creative projects <laughs> I'm and probably i'm also looking up the history of garfield and i'm killing time between just mind-numbing assignments <laughs> so yeah um yeah, thank you, uh, Chubies out there. Yes, uh, for for watching and or listening. Yes, uh, thank you to everyone who joined us because you wanted to know more about Brendan Kirby. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I hope everyone's doing all right. Yep. In uh, in this interesting time. Yeah, and if you want to follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter, I'm Discount Chuck, and Brad is on Twitter and Instagram as Brad Roar, B-R-A-D-R-O-H-R-E-R. Thank you. That's his name. It is. It and is. Uh, we had a good time. That was fun. Yeah, it was great. Um, if you have questions, comments, concerns, or otherwise, send us an email, chuckandbrad at gmail.com, or find the email link through chuckandbradpodcast.com. That's right. That's all I've got. That's all I got. Deuces. Deuces.